You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. All right, you guys, welcome in, everybody, to a live simulcast episode of the Huddle Up podcast. The band is back together. Zach and I are reunited on this Monday evening, as I'm sure many of you are also watching the the Monday night game taking place. Zach, how you doing, brother? I'm good. It's nice to see you back in action, Chad. I was telling the, the listeners yesterday you were the, the good luck charm the Broncos needed after a couple tough weeks, you know? Yeah, it was a uh, hard-fought win, well-deserved you know, that's a team that's been through a lot, and uh, it was fun to to go watch them in, in the flesh, so to speak. But uh, I certainly missed being with you on the on the gut reaction. I was jonesing afterward <laughs> and uh, talking to our, our viewers and listeners. So, guys, let's uh, welcome everybody in. I know there's a lot of pre-submitted questions. Um, so let's say hello to Buana Beast, Shooter McGavin, Travis, uh, Jacob, Brandon. Christy, King Stacy, Dallin. What's up, all you guys? Christy, Nathan, Nathan. first time viewer. Appreciate you. Oh, really? Well, welcome in. Welcome in, dog. And and thanks everybody for uh for your support and and uh hanging out with Zach and I here tonight on a live simulcast episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me as always, my partner in crime, Zach Kelberman, the lead NFL writer for heavy.com. And we combined forces here to bring you the huddle up podcast and we got a lot to get to today we're reacting to kind of the aftermath a day's gone by you heard the gut reaction right hot off the presses yesterday but how are we feeling about things today which way does this ship seem to be headed we're going to dive into all of that but one quick reminder to everybody make sure you're following the show on twitter at huddle up pod super easy to do open up twitter at huddle up pod that's the best way for you guys to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And don't forget to get your creative review in on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called now, on the Huddle Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing from Zach and I, leave us a five-star rating. It goes a long way towards supporting the show. And it also enters you into our giveaway that we do each and every month. And I know Zach's been working on some, some merchandise, some Huddle Up Podcast mm-hmm. merchandise that we are going to be unveiling here very soon. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. 
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. That's right. Yeah, we have some, uh, not a clothing line per se. We're not going to get jump into the fashion game, but we have some cool, uh, you know, shirts coming, maybe some hats, some hoodies coming that I'm working on, uh, floating by chat. I think everyone will like it. And I think it'd be exciting to wrap the show, uh, with, uh, Huddle Up Pod, you know, merchandise. We've been talking about it long enough, right? We've been talking about doing it now for most of 2019 and we just haven't quite gotten our ducks in a row. We've had a lot of things in the works and, just with all the things that we have cooking, it's just been hard to close it down. But Zach is pulling in overtime duty to get that taken care of. So, And by the way, dude, great job holding it down last night. It must have felt uh, good, kind of <laughs> like uh, some Different. deja vu from all your Facebook Live days on the, on the Broncos on 24-7 page. Yeah, I, I actually mentioned that on the pod. Some people probably remember me that I came over from the, uh, the Mile I Huddle Facebook page. I did these Facebook Lives on 24-7 Sports. It was, you know, right in my wheelhouse, but it was uh, strange on having you by my side on the screen there, Chad. So I'm glad that, you know, we're back to normal tonight. Well, we're always kept company regardless with our, our live viewers and, and uh, listeners. So thanks again to everybody joining us. Um, let's uh, dial it back just for a second here to Sunday's game. I know you already spent time talking to the listeners. You and I, though, we haven't had a chance to really talk about the main implication, the main trope, the main storyline coming out of yesterday, which is Brandon Allen and where does the team go from here in terms of the implications at the quarterback position. Zach, do you think by virtue of that solid, if unspectacular performance, solid, efficient unspectacular. He did throw two touchdown passes, but it was solid. He went 12 for 20, 193 yards, a couple of TDs. His quarterback rating, though, in his first NFL start, a whopping 125.6, which is phenomenal for a first-time starter. But do you think that put the kibosh on Drew Locke? I know this is something that everyone is dying to know the answer to. Vic Fangio on Monday didn't really give any additional insight onto what the team plans to do with Drew Locke other than Again, kicking it down the road, basically saying, you know, that's still up in the air. And in fact, is the exact verbiage that he used, which, again, mixed signals coming from the Denver Broncos. It's one it's almost every other day now. It's basically a coach contradicting a GM and back and forth we go. But what do you think if it affects what eventually happens with Drew Luck? How does it affect it? I just like I wrote on Twitter and I said on the pod yesterday. You no matter who it is, you can't take a hot quarterback out of off of the field and out of the game for a cold quarterback like like Drew Locke, who hasn't practiced, hasn't seen a regular season snap. So as long as Brandon Allen keeps winning, the Broncos are in that catch twenty two where they want to see Locke, but they have a young quarterback under center winning right now. I mean, what do you do in that case? Uh, to Locke to see the field, he has to hope that Allen falls on his face. It didn't happen yesterday. I'm also not going to get too high on the guy for a two touchdown game. It was a good performance, but it's not anything to entrench him as the starter for the rest of 2019 or the starter for 2020. It's a week-by-week quarterback basis and a quarterback decision. He earned a start, Brandon Allen, for the next week coming against Minnesota, but after that, all bets are off. They could be Drew Locke as soon as Week 12. you got to remember that we're two guys that have literally been champing at the bit for anybody other than Joe Flacco at quarterback for a solid month of the season now at this point. So far be it from me to poo-poo at all 
on what he displayed, Brandon Allen, on Sunday. But we got to pump the brakes and remind everyone that it was a home game. It was against a Cleveland Browns team that is reeling and was the epitome. I mean, just watching him live and in person, they were the every bit the unorganized, undisciplined product that you see on the field. It's the same thing on the sideline and just yeah. the overall ambiance of that team. So still, it's a it's a an authoritative win. You got the win, and any win in the NFL comes with its own fair share of credit and authority. However, we got to remember that you know what was it a month into Trevor Simeon's uh, starting career with the Denver Broncos, we had people, big-time media personalities on the radio in Denver advocating for the team to lock him up on a team-friendly long-term deal, but seriously to pay Trevor Simeon. We know now, in retrospect, how big of a mistake that would have been for the Denver Broncos. Now, I'm not directly comparing Allen to Simeon. That's not what I'm saying here, but rather we need more information. And if if you're a shot caller up the chain of command at Broncos HQ, you're John Elway, you're Vic Fangio, and you guys are hashing these things out, you have to keep in mind that it's it was a home game. Now you get the bye. You get to take some time to lick some wounds. Allen gets more time in the system to study up. But guess what? In week 11, Mike Zimmer, now he's got tape on Allen. Okay, week 13 when they – or excuse me, week 12, Broncos have to travel two weeks in a row, 11 and 12, uh, to take on Buffalo. And those are two really stiff defenses. Now – if he goes into those games and lights it up, maybe we're talking about something. But I still think at this stage you're going to see – and this kind of echoes what Cliss said. Cliss's report was very inconvenient and irritated a lot of people about two weeks ago coming out of the Kansas City Chiefs game, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And that is that the Broncos will look to activate Locke sometime after the bye for practice with the eye in mind to – come December, have him as the backup, and then maybe play him week 16 or 17. And Zach, as encouraging as it was to see Brandon Allen do what he did yesterday, I really don't think it's, it was enough to put the kibosh on that quite yet. No. But it still doesn't mean fans are going to see Drew Locke anytime soon. But also, fans are thinking that it, it was a bad Browns team, a lot of bad tackling, a lot a very undisciplined team. But they, they look at the next coming games, and Minnesota has this fearsome defense. They just got lit up by Matt Moore, the backup quarterback for the Chiefs. They are a beatable team, so it's not going to be impossible for Brandon Allen to go out there and keep his winning streak going and play well. The only way, though, that I see it is if Locke's going to get out on the field, it's going to be another injury, or Allen's going to have to fall back on his face or take a step back, come back down to earth. If he keeps moving the offense like he moved it, putting those scoring plays on the board, and not only that, reinvigorating. I'm sure you saw it, Chad, from where you were sitting. Reinvigorating oh, yeah. the entire offense. He just played with a different speed, a different intensity. And as long as he's doing that, and he has the uh, the accommodations of Von Miller calling him the, the little Wayne to the Drake and all that, I mean, you're not going to get that guy off the field, no matter who you draft, no matter who's behind him. So if Locke wants to see time, he's going to have to hope Allen uh, blows his opportunity. And I just don't think, you know, the the schedule being what it is, I just don't think it's all that fortuitous or it's not that optimistic of a harbinger for Allen. I mean, at least the next two games going on the road, the Broncos are a good enough team that they can hang with just about anybody in terms of keeping it, you know, close, keeping it competitive in a game. But I just – I'm not going to be able to pick the Broncos on the road against the Vikings – and maybe if they did win that game, I could consider picking them on the road against the Bills. But it's looking more and more like the next basically th- two more games from now, he's probably going to be one and two as a starter. And all this talk about how much, you know, um, 
this affects the Drew Locke thing, I think it's just going to be a non-starter. So I think at this stage, I mean, here's what I like to see. You mentioned the energy. It was clear. The Broncos played with more of a reckless abandon. And that's not to say that they were, they, they were, they were careless or, or sloppy, but rather they played loose. And this is a team that for the first half of the season, they've been really uptight, you know, and maybe it has something to do with all the pressure being let out of this season after they, you know, started two and six. Everyone knows this is not a team with expectations for the playoffs. And so the players and the coaches are maybe able to exhale a little bit, get some things off their chest. Now they are able to play with a little bit more, you know, they're, they're more loose. And that was evident. There was a spark. There was energy. And you typically see that, though. It's not an absolute, but when there is a quarterback change, regardless of who that new quarterback is stepping onto the field, Zach, it usually comes with some form of a spark. The question is, is it a short-lived spark? Is it illusory? Or is it a something that sticks and, and has the potential yeah. to be something? Like what's happening in Carolina right now, that's a legit – possibility in terms of it was more than just a spark this is this is more of a flame that has caught fire down there that's forced them to really have a new reckoning on what they're going to do with the quarterback position so here's to hoping kyle allen or excuse me well kyle allen i got that confused just now i did Brandon that on the allen, yesterday too yeah same as you yeah um that he can keep it going but you know the, the encouraging things i mean he looked great running those boots it was good to see that mobility Good to see him pick up a, a first down with his legs. He had five rushes for 13 yards. That was yes. good. You know, he fed the playmakers. I really like that. Of the 302 total yards the Broncos had from scrimmage, 265 of those yards came from the trio of Sutton, Fant, and Lindsey. And that's just something that, you know, we I, I got so tired. I know part of it was the play calling with Rich Scangarello, but a lot of it was just the lack of aggression from Joe Flacco. The yeah. constant dump offs to the running backs out of the backfield, the check down, the check down, the check down. We were never, we just weren't seeing that offense with Flacco at the helm challenging defense in any meaningful way. And yet we see the 21 yard touchdown strike to Sutton. We see the 75 yard catch and run from Fant. And it was just good to see Allen, you know, really trying to push the envelope, even in that modest way. Again, 12 of 20, 193 yards, but it was good to see that. I'm, to this point, I did a kind of a statistic breakdown on Twitter yesterday. Through all of Flacco's starts, he got 20 rushing yards. Allen had 11 on one play. Uh, Brandon Allen had 125 passer rating. The last time Flacco did that was 2014. So you're just seeing it could be anyone, Chad. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Brandon Allen. He did really right. well in his first start, but it could have been anyone. It could have been you or I on the field, and I think the Broncos offense would have responded to that. Anyone but Flacco, they needed to make that move, and they saw what could happen if you just put a younger quarterback quarterback who can actually move his legs and run and get out of pressure and get out of the pocket you saw what it can do for an offense with a lot of young talent a lot of playmaking talent so good game but I'm not ready to go one way or the other on Brandon Allen as the Broncos starter I'm not sure how it came through on the TV broadcast but in person you could tell that he was he had a little uh, jitters you know the first possession Mm -hmm. or so that touchdown pass to Sutton though it seemed to kind of calm him down give him some confidence he played with a lot more poise he yeah. wasn't completely accurate. There was a few balls, probably uh, probably three or four passes that were way off target that it was like, wow, dude, come on, you got to get that together. But he also made a lot of really nice throws, and especially, I mean, the, the touchdown to Sutton was more of a Sutton making a play on a so-so type of a ball. But he had one throw, and I'm not talking about the 75-yard touchdown to Fant. He had one throw to Fant to the right sideline where he had to go up and over, kind of at a weird angle on the run, throwing on the run. And it was the one in which Fant, caught it and slid immediately out of mm-hmm. bounds and 
that was just a nice throw, man. So yeah. it was really encouraging to see. And uh, all we can say at this point, you guys, is we just got we, – we need a larger sample size. And I'm sure the Broncos are saying the same thing, which is why if, indeed, as John Elway intimated last week, they're looking at week 11 as the start-the-clock date or time on the calendar for Drew Locke, I don't think that game was quite enough to forestall that. Now, let's get to some of the questions here, Zach, since our, our viewers and listeners here, there's a reason, you know, more than one reason why they're joining us live. They want they want some answers here. Um, Buana says, thoughts on the impact that Tim Patrick will bring to the other wide receivers' snap counts. And, Zach, the only, one I can, the only guys that can really affect at this stage is Deshaun and uh, Deontay yeah. Spencer and Juwan Winfrey. I didn't really see him on the field on offense yesterday. I mentioned this in the pod last night that I think once Patrick returns, it'll put even more of an onus on Deshaun Hamilton. He's been kind of the missing man in action this year. And I talked about it yesterday that you just, you, there's so many mouths to feed and not enough food to go around with all the turnover, all the new starting quarterbacks and all the new pieces in place. So when Patrick comes back, he's going to help whoever's under center as a red zone threat, a possession threat, but it's really going to be on Hamilton to step up. Now he has the draft pedigree over Tim Patrick. I think he has a higher ceiling, but he just hasn't developed and he hasn't progressed like a Cortland Sutton. So we want to see that battle, and hopefully, in this case, iron will sharpen iron. Christy wants to know, how was the game? Let me tell you something. It was fun. I mean, I, I attended the game sitting in the stands with the fans, and it was fun. Here's one thing that jumped out to me, Christy. This might be of interest to everybody. It was ridiculous the amount of Browns fans that were in those stands. I don't know what it is. I've been to a lot of Bronco games over the years. I've never seen a team travel like that. And we've seen, I mean, I've been to some games with some pretty big stakes, been to games with, you know, Patriots, Steelers. Um, and those are teams that travel well. And you see them, you see the fans in the stands, but it's not like a, you know, it's not like a, a wave of, of people. And that's how it was with the Browns. Everywhere you looked and you'd have these little pockets throughout every little sector of the, of, of the stadium in which they do their little dog pound chant. And it was like, what is going on here? They're two and five. The Browns going into that game, they were two and five. And I get that the Broncos were two and six, right? But Broncos fans, I think there was about 3,000 people, tickets that were no-shows. And even more, many thousands more just gave slash sold their tickets to Browns fans. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see, and, and considering the Broncos fandom, and considering how the you know the, the waiting lists and all the, the the reverence that goes on beyond uh, Broncos home games. But that's what happens when you're two and six. That's what happens when you put a bad product on the field. Who's going to come out and ruin their Sunday afternoon that they thought watching another Broncos loss? I suspect though, after this win, you'll see some more Broncos fans in the stands for the next home game. Yeah, definitely, definitely a shot of enthusiasm. You know, the only the only thing here is, again, they're going into the bye. That's good. But then they go on the road two weeks in a row coming out of the bye against two really good teams. Mm -hmm. So, JL Avenger, 23. Hey, guys, good to see you. Can it be the Bulls that Bulls is out of the team next year? And how about keeping Allen the rest of the year if he keeps winning? I assume you, that you mean as the starter. He played very good. Mile-high salute from Costa Rica. Um I think Allen, as, as Zach intimated earlier in our conversation, if he can continue to win, if he stays above 500 as a starter, the Broncos will probably keep him that you know keep him as the starter up until maybe week 17 because they're not mm -hmm. making the playoffs. And even if he stays above 500, it's not going to be enough to get them into the playoffs, barring some unforeseen miracle. So I still think the Broncos are going to get Drew Locke on the field week 16, week 17 at the latest. 
give him one little brief audition in a way that's even lower stakes for them than it is for the team, for the actual shot callers. Yeah, and in terms of Bowles, too, we can only hope that he's off the team this next coming year. I mean, if he's going on 28 years old, it's his third season. 28 is old for a guy and is only in his third season. But if he can't get it down pat now with the best OL coach in the business, chances are he'll never it'll never click for him. So I hope that he's off the team next year, but Elway might want to just try to salvage him at guard, kick him inside somewhere. But just for the sake of the locker room morale, getting a guy who's a constant detriment to the team, who's literally holding the team back, no pun intended, I think it's addition by subtraction if you cut Garrett Bowles in the offseason. That hubris that John Elway has is powerful, man. And he doesn't want to give up on that first-round pick and get more egg on his face for yet another busted high-round pick. So... I mean, I think Bowles is in town until he, he plays out his rookie deal. I don't think he's going to get the fifth-year option, but I think you've got one more year of Bowles in town. The question is, will the Broncos wise up after this season and finally go, all right, we got to get another left tackle, Bowles? You know, as a swing guy, we could do a lot worse than Garrett Bowles, but we need a real starting left tackle. And fortunately, this coming draft class is replete with offensive tackle. Yeah. So Ben says, Drew Locke can do everything Brandon Allen just did, but better. I'm excited to see what he can do once he gets his chance Whenever that is. And, you know, here's here's something that occurred to me watching that game yesterday. And I haven't had time uh, to rewatch the game through the television broadcast and the coaches film doesn't come out till Tuesday. So I'm going off just the what I saw in person. I thought to myself, man, Allen looks solid. It was great seeing that mobility as we've already talked about. But I can only imagine what Drew Locke could do just with that that arm talent and the yeah. it factor that he brings to the table you know, he's inexperienced and there's a lot that he hasn't seen, but I mean, we're talking about Brandon Allen making his first career start. So I'm, I'm also encouraged by that, that, you know what, with Rich Gangarello making a few tweaks to the offense to not only accommodate Allen, but to try and turn the ship around and salvage some kind of, uh, you know, positive grade on his, his body of work as a first time play caller this year. I was encouraged by that going, look, if, if Brandon Allen can look good or look solid in this offense, I think maybe Drew Locke might be able to look even better. And that's exactly my my mindset. And if anything, this game taught us that it wasn't Scangarello's play calling. It wasn't his coaching. It was Joe Flacco that was the biggest culprit. So if anything, we learned with the younger quarterback, the Broncos' play calling and scheme seems to mesh better. But it's no comparison. It's like comparing Trevor Simeon physically and the skill set type to Paxton Lynch. One guy is just way more physically talented than the other. Drew Locke has the arm. He has the mobility. He has the, the it factor. But Brandon Allen has the smarts, too. He's a very heady quarterback. And like Chad said, for his first NFL start against the Browns team, they might be underachieving, but a lot of talent is on that defense, a lot. And he handled himself way better than I thought he would in his first NFL start. So they're, they're two different quarterbacks, but I think the Broncos like what they see uh, in different ways in both. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The Denver Broncos are heading into their Week 10 bye victorious, and coming out of that bye, they have to take to the road twice to take on the Vikings and the Bills. Make sure you're there. I was at the Bronco game against the Browns, and let me tell you, the Browns, their fans traveled, and you can too. Make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. 
Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And when it's time to buy, new users enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 and let them know the Huddle Up podcast sent you. Man, what a victory for your Denver Broncos in Week 9. Emerging victorious with a first-time starting quarterback in Brandon Allen and taking down Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. If you haven't gotten in on the action, now is the time. Check out the latest from our friends over at mybookie.ag. MyBookie, in addition to the traditional spreads and totals, they offer quarters and halves, periods on the ice, player props including points, yards, or goals, PGA, NASCAR, soccer, and more. Now is the best time to get in on the action. Sign up at mybookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Jamal says, would you like for the Broncos to hire a young offensive-minded coach and move Vic to defensive coordinator? You know, in a perfect world, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Not at this stage. At this stage, you got to roll with Vic Fangio, bank on and hope that they continue to improve on, uh, you know, as a team and just hope that Scangarello, like here's the way we've been trying to tell everybody is that Scangarello, barring a collapse, you know, he's going to get at least two years as the OC here because, again, Elway can't just keep cycling through offensive coordinators and expect that lack of continuity to not have a massive impact or effect on and hold back this offense from from moving forward. So, you know, unless it was a complete and utter display of incompetence, Rich Scangarello was always getting at least two years. Yeah, and they had a chance to hire a young coordinator. This this you know offensive coordinator for a head coach. This coaching cycle, last coaching cycle, they pass on Kyle Shanahan. They really went against the grain. They want an older, established coach like Fangio running the team. And they pretty much hired a head coaching candidate in Scangarello. It might be a little premature to say that, but they have that young hotshot on the staff already. In what capacity doesn't matter? Just develop the quarterbacks, get this offense on the right track, and everything else will fall into place. Kyle says, I love Wolf and have been so stoked with his dominance. I thought it would really help convince Elway to give him a comeback, retire here type of deal, but I'm starting to worry he'll price himself out. Thoughts? Well, the one good thing you have with Derek Wolf in terms of his next contract is he wants to stay in Denver. And even though in years past when he took that extension in the fall of 2015, right before the Super Bowl run, he talked a lot about taking the haircut, right? We heard the haircut, you know, taking the the team-friendly deal to stick around and all that many times. But his tune has kind of changed over the years to where the last year or so, especially when these topics come up and he's at the podium, he sounds a lot more like, I'm a team guy. I'm not going to complain about anything. You know, I'm going to do what's best for the team. If an offer gets submitted to Derek Wolf and it's at least respective, respectful is the, actually the right word, and acknowledges his contributions, especially really playing one of his best seasons. Got off to a not-so-hot start this year, but he's really turned it around the last quarter of the season. He gets a respectful deal that acknowledges that, Zach. I don't see really any – I don't think he's chasing that – big dollar. He wants to stay in Denver. It's where his his wife's from. It's where his family is now. And this is home to him. He's a very loyal person. 
I was going to say, though, I mean, dominance, he looked, he had a great game yesterday, but I wouldn't say he's been dominant even the last couple weeks in a row. He's been very, you know, nondescript. He had a great performance yesterday, but that's what he does. He'll come on strong and then disappear for a few games or get injured. Um, he's not going to land a five, six year mega deal on the open market. I think he would be amenable to a, a hometown discount of sorts, a team friendly deal with Denver, two, three year deal, uh, maybe some upfront money to, uh, to persuade him. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back, but I'm not going to put him at the top of the priority list, and I'm not going to pass up another free agent, or I'm not going to pass up the development of Demarcus Walker and Draymond Jones just to keep Wolf around for another two, three years. Yeah, and this is one topic that on many, many issues, Zach and I share a brain. This is one topic with Derek Wolf where we've always kind of diverged. Mm -hmm. I'm on one side of the coin. He's on the other. I, I think Wolf's been really good, especially the last quarter of the season. I think he brings a value to the team that you don't really see out on the field so much. It comes out in, in the play, but his effect in that locker room, his longstanding relationship with Elway being uh, part of that, the first pick in Elway's second class and his first class as a GM. Um, I think there's a lot there and Derek Wolf brings a lot to the team, but he just needs to keep it going and, you know, stay healthy is another key here. Joseph wants to know, are Connor McGovern and Dalton Reisner our best linemen? McGovern seems like he's really – blossomed reisner absolutely at this stage mm -hmm. even as a rookie yeah is the best lineman on this team um connor mcgovern he's still quite inconsistent you know pro football focus grades sometimes you just gotta you know take it or leave it but he's i think like the 17th rated center right now in the nfl and that's pretty i think that's a pretty fair and pretty indicative grade in terms of how he's been through the first nine games this year Reisner absolutely is the best Broncos lineman. He was a plug-and-play starter. I think he has perennial all-pro upside. Uh, McGovern, to play center, to transition to center for a team with all these new uh, moving parts, all the injuries, the different quarterback play, it's not easy. It's a very tough position to play. Not the best center in the world. I still, I still think the Broncos should have kept Paradis, uh, but you can definitely get by with him, and if they ever move him back to guard, I think he'd be a better long-term guard than center. So either way, good player, but Reisner far and away. Doesn't say much about the Broncos' line, but he is far and away their, their best offensive lineman. Christy says, is keeping Drew Locke off the field the best thing right now? And this is something that I've been hammering on for a couple of weeks now. No, I don't think so. Like if Drew Locke, again, I, I maintain that even in with that encouraging performance from Brandon Allen – the Broncos are not making the playoffs, and Drew Locke is 100% healthy. He is your – Elway has used the word himself. He's our future. Get him on the field. Get yeah. him this experience that he needs right now while your team has zero stakes. This is the, – the second half of the season is a completely lost season. Get him that live bullet experience. Get him that Jared Goff 0-7 experience that he needs <laughs> in order to you know go from uh, the diamond in the rough to the polished gem, right? And it won't happen overnight, but this is the opportunity – that the team is missing at this stage is to get him those live bullet reps and experience against NFL defenses, reading defenses, speed of the game, all of that while the stakes are low. And uh, it's something that he could leapfrog with, with in his second year, but they're going to wait and say, you know, play him in week 17 and, and think that that'll be enough to at least give him an idea. Should we completely abandon the idea of going quarterback high in the draft? If Locke, is good in week 17, then we will abandon it as an idea in, in round one or two. If he's so-so, it's still an option. If he tanks, you know, we'll consider it a lot more. But that's basically the thinking that they're at right now instead of what's best for him and the team long-term. Because what's best for Drew Locke is ultimately 
as the future of the position, what's best for the team long-term as well. I was going to say, if they wait till week 17, it's completely idiotic. They're doing not only themselves a disservice, but Drew Locke a disservice. you got to give a raw quarterback who you know is going to take some time, more than one game to decide whether you want to do and make a major fork-in-the-road decision like that. Uh, they have to at least get him practicing, at least get him involved to the point where if an injury struck or something happened with Br- Brandon Allen, he can just hop right in. He's not going to be behind. He has to shake up some uh, mental rust, physical rust, but when that comes off, you've got to get him on the field. Just to at least one way or the other, we've said it a billion times, Chad, know what you have in the guy. We're seeing maybe what we have in Brandon Allen. Can't say the same yet about Drew Locke. Yeah, and that's that's a I'm glad you said that because I, I don't think I was clear enough. I'm not saying that the that even Drew Locke should have been playing in that game. Well, if they would have done the right thing and began practicing him in week seven like they could have, and he at least had sure. some time under his belt, then yes, he should have been playing yesterday. But being the situation they're in today, he does need a couple of weeks of practice before you would throw him out there as the starter. So, you know, that, that circles maybe week 12 or 13 is probably the best case scenario in my opinion, but it's not going to happen barring some unforeseen uh, hit to, to Brandon Allen. Now Jordan says, Hey guys, do you think Locke is having a hard time with the playbook? I'm wondering if that's why they are hesitant. No, not according to Rich Gangarello. According to Rich Gangarello, right. Drew Locke has been phenomenal as it applies to not only knowing the playbook, but continuing to keep his nose to the grindstone as he's been on injured reserve, not only in his team meetings, being out there in practice, doing the mental reps. I mean, we heard from Drew Locke himself, all right, the VR program that they're using, virtual reality, okay? Here's how Drew Locke is using that. The quarterback who runs practice, okay, they use that camera, then they take the entire practice, and it's now in a virtual reality thing. He puts on the goggles, and he sees everything that starting quarterback, when it was Joe Flacco, now that it's Brandon Allen, sees in practice. And Drew Locke would go in in the morning after their practice. He'd watch practice from the sideline, first of all. Then he'd go in and he'd VR it himself and run the drills, r- make the reads, the same reads that the starter was doing. And then he would do it again. Each practice, he's going through the VR twice. And that's why you got Scangarello saying publicly, yeah, Drew Locke's been great as it pertains to all of the study stuff. This is all move the the goalpost stuff when it comes to he's not picking up the playbook i understand that there are implications why there's got to be some reason why the broncos aren't playing their singer i get that but i think it's more elway saying in that interview on koa last week that he's not there yet worried about the system it's a complex and, and complicated offensive system and you know i'm relying on what the the coaches are telling me and and so at this stage you know it's looking like week 11 Literally the next day, Rich Gangarello comes out and talks about how great Drew Locke has done in that department. So, no. Yeah, he's been the first one in the building, the last one to leave. I know that's not a, a measuring stick of, of his ability, but I don't think that's the reason. I think ultimately it's a judgment call that John Elway made, being the boss of the team. And he doesn't think uh, Locke is ready, and he doesn't want the egg on the face of Locke isn't ready. That's why you throw a Brandon Allen out there. If he bombs, no one cares. If he does well, oh, you found another Gemma quarterback. He's putting himself, Elway, and this is not a conspiracy theory. I'm just floating it out there in the best possible way to spin it if something happened, he's dealt with so many quarterback disasters. I don't think he can stand another one. So he wants to put Locke in the best position possible. I just don't see it happening. You got to just throw him into the deep end sooner or later. Jacob says the offense is fighting its way, but the defense is firing on all cylinders. Would still be a wasted season to not get Drew Locke lining up with this talent. And I don't disagree. Um, 
here's a here's let's let's flip the script for a second here. Buana says, at what point did the Broncos just shut down Jawan James and use his roster spot to get another player on the roster to look at the future? You know, knowing Elway, I can see, and Fangio, I can see the Broncos carrying him on the 53 up until week 17 only because they want to put him out there with a young quarterback like Drew Locke. They're going to try to make the perfect scenario and the perfect situation. I don't see that knee getting better, though. It's not a good sign if he if he had a setback like two plays into his, uh, his return to the Broncos. He might be shut down if they need a roster spot, but considering the way they're uh, stacking this offense and the way they're handling Locke, it'd be no surprise if they kept him on just to have the best starting five out there for the young quarterback. Jonathan comes in with a $10 donation on Appreciate Super you. Chat. Appreciate you, bro. And also Stuart chipping in with a $25 donation. Thank you, you guys. That goes so far. I mean, that allows us to do a lot of things. And I'm not just talking about paying bills. That allows us to have the means to do things like make merch for you guys and and just keep the content and the the you know the equipment that we use and everything top shelf. So appreciate all you guys, um, especially our, our contributors on Super Chat. And again, I know I've said it a couple of times now, but we have something special planned for our, our donations and and uh on, on Super Chat. So keep an eye out for that. Ben says the Broncos never fully got behind Paxton Lynch. They never gave him a full season to develop. They need to start lock, but when they do, they need to never look back. Now, that's true. They never gave the full faith and support of the organization behind Paxton Lynch in the same way that you see the vast majority of NFL teams do with their first round pick. For example, here's this is just an example, but unfortunately, the Broncos had a weird passive aggressive thing going on between Gary Kubiak and John Elway in 2016 as Lynch's rookie season. But when they had to go to Lynch in uh, week four, I think it was when Simeon got hurt in Tampa Bay, he had to go start that next week on the road, and Lynch did, and it wasn't good. They got trounced by the Chargers. They immediately went back to Simeon's. Kubiak did as quickly as he could. At that point, as soon as you went to Lynch, I know you did it in a, in a last-ditch effort, that's when the Broncos should have stayed with Lynch, come hell or high water, then they would have known for sure. And maybe they still know for sure. Maybe they feel like they had everything they needed to know, but you have to wonder what could have been had he had the full support of the team, the team closes ranks around and the team's, you know, because in that Tampa Bay game, I don't want to rehash too much old stuff, but they tweaked the offense to support him. Kubiak did the next week. They had him run the same old under center West coast Kubiak scheme. And of course he wasn't the same player. I just can't believe we're still getting these questions, Chad. There's still Paxton Lynch apologists out there. The Broncos, they didn't handle it well. They were at fault, too. But he was a lemon. He was a bust. And that's evidenced by where he is today on the Steelers practice squad, I believe, or the the bottom of the roster. He couldn't beat out Geno Smith for the backup job in Seattle. (laughs) The guy is just a bust. And the Broncos, uh, they, they were right in retrospect not to play the guy. He just didn't have it. Andy says, what do you guys think about the future of Flacco and the quarterback position if both Allen and Locke can't produce? Well, first and foremost, Flacco should be a non-starter in that building. And I mean that in both both senses of the word, like a non-starter in terms of it's not even a a conversation (laughs) and also a non-starter. He doesn't start in this (laughs) league anymore, okay? I like it. That dude, if he was a three – if he was a – you know, backup quarterback cost controlled type of guy, five, six, seven, eight million bucks a year. Yeah, you keep him on the roster. And if push comes to shove and your young quarterback goes off the rails, you play Joe Flacco and you make do until you get your guy back. But as a starter, as the guy, if those first eight games did not paint the picture, I mean, in stark, stark contrast, that Joe Flacco 
is not the answer. Zach, everyone at Dove Valley deserves to, you know, uh, be doing something else professionally this time next year. I just see the future of Flacco at 34. What future does he have except for being retired? He needs to walk away. And for eight, I wouldn't pay $8 for him to be the Broncos backup. It's another addition by subtraction thing. He's just a, a bad, a bad juju to keep around in the locker room. They have to go with a youth movement. And thank God, not happy that he got injured, quote unquote, but thank God the Broncos found a way to start a new era. Uh, Charlie, there's an article. If you search it on my on milehighhuddle.com that Bob Morris wrote last week on what the cap implications are for cutting bait with Joe Flacco after this season. And long story short, the Cliff Notes takeaways from that is that that restructure the team did at the start of this season, basically all it did is it took the money that he was scheduled to make his guaranteed salary this year and it gave it to him up front in the form of a signing bonus. And when that happens, teams can take that cap hit and spread it out over multiple years. So the money that there's going to be dead money on his contract if they cut him at the end of this year, but it's because they, they it's, it's all money that counts for 2019 though. So I'm not explaining it very well, but it's, it's, it's not additional money they're paying. It's not additional penalties they're paying. They just basically chose to put Joe Flacco on a credit card this year, as opposed to paying cash basically is the way to look at it. And then they're going to pay the bill in the ensuing three and four seasons. That's the best way to explain it. And, and this in no way precludes the Broncos from moving on from Flacco next offseason. No. If, if they want to, they still can. They'll swallow whatever dead money is left in that deal. And they also are going to get quite a bit of savings, too. So uh, all intents and purposes, that that restructure did not extend his shelf life in Denver. I think next offseason, he's gone one way or the other. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Christy with another good one here. Do you think they are peddling the goods right now with Allen? Do you think, well, what's, what's your answer for Christy there? In terms of peddling the goods and showing the best quarterback they have? or I, I think that's what she means. Maybe not. Christy, if, we, if we're not hearing you right, um, maybe elucidate on that. But, but yeah, I mean, peddling the goods. Showing well, what they have in Allen or showing what they, the, the best foot forward, the best pre- possible way they can present the quarterback. I, I think he looked pretty well in that game. I think the best best position they could have put him in against the Browns. Stu comes in with a $4 Super Chat donation. Thank you, bro. He says, it doesn't, doesn't it seem like Locke will be a stud? Explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we've, we, I've told you on this podcast, Zach has as well many times since before the draft. That, that Drew Locke has franchise traits. And mm-hmm. not just in his intangibles, but that arm, his athleticism. Um, he's got the it factor. 
Um, I've seen it up close. I've seen it in person. And you guys saw started to see glimpses of it in that second and third preseason game. He really started putting things together. Now, he still had a long ways to go, and he still does have a long ways to go. But the talent is there. It's a question of, for me at this stage, I have to seriously question the competency of this team developing a young quarterback. Not just because of the recent past and the failures with Lynch and Simeon and Chad Kelly and all that, but with this situation specifically with Locke, it has been so inexplicable the way they have managed this since week seven that I literally don't have faith that that that's the only thing right now that's really making me feel down at all, Zach, on Drew Locke as a as a long-term prospect for this team is are the Broncos going to screw up a good thing? Because otherwise, right. I think he really does have what it takes to be successful in this league. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you put Drew Locke on the Rams, you know, or the 49ers, and you'd feel so good about him as a future franchise quarterback. That being the case, though, on paper, he has all all the goods that you want. He has the mental if factor. He has the alpha attitude. He has the arm strength. He has the mobility. And he has that familiarity and, and somewhat of a, of a pro-style offense coming out of Missouri, a big school where he was the big fish in a small pond there. Uh, he is a stud on paper, but until he takes one regular season snap, the jury is way out on Drew Locke. Angela coming in with $35 Canadian on Super Chat. Thank, Thank you so you, much, Angela. Angela. Very generous. Um, La, Stu, <laughs> Stu, pump the brakes, bro. <laughs> Orange. Orange-flavored Kool-Aid just guzzling it by the gallon. We love you, dude. Don't mistake what we're saying. Locke right now is very much a a rough stone rolling down the hill. Okay, And the farther down the hill he gets, the more those rough edges get broken and busted off, and he turns into a smooth you know, orb, if you will, by the time he reaches the bottom. He's still pretty raw. He's still pretty rough right now. What he needs is snaps. What he needs is reps. Vic Fangio said it two weeks ago. The best way for players to develop is to ta-da, play. John Elway said it before he became a GM that the only way for a young quarterback to develop is to play. But when push comes to shove and you're responsible for the destiny of an entire organization, it affects your decision-making, and it's not just so easy for him to say, you know, it's complicated, but it really shouldn't be. It should be at this stage especially. Look, I understand that as a rookie, him being Razak, that they wanted to bring in Joe Flacco as a stopgap, kill two birds with one stone, keep the team competitive in the short term while also keeping the seat warm for Drew Locke. Flacco fell flat, flat on his face, and if Drew Locke was still injured, okay, keep him off the side, keep him on the sideline, keep him out. But he's been healthy now, according to him, and cleared by the medical staff for a couple of weeks. So that's why I'm st- still so adamant that just with the overall complexion of this season, the way it's taken shape. There's literally no excuse, no reason for Drew Locke to not be on the field. Uh, perfectly said, Chad. Let me just add that if Locke turns out half as good as either Brady or Manning, obviously, the Broncos are in very, very good Yeah, hands. no doubt. That goes without saying. Paul coming in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate Thank you, Thank you, Paul. Guys, we got to take one or two more, and then we're going to get out of here for today. Jonathan says, even if we don't like Drew towards the end of the year, do you still draft a quarterback, or do you throw Allen back out there and draft another position. My take, Zach, well, you answer first. What's your answer there? Uh, you you can't make a determination one way or the other. Even if Allen goes out there and balls every week, you, you have to still take it on a week-by-week basis, and you have to make an evaluation at, after week 17. If you see Locke for one game, it's not good enough. If you see Brandon Allen for a few games, it, it's not going to preclude you, prevent you from taking a Justin Herbert, from taking a two-way in the draft. But you have to know one way or the other, and I don't think that answer is rooted in Brandon Allen. That answer is no. rooted in Drew Locke. So Absolutely. Once one- we see... 
Right. Once we see him, then we can have an answer uh, about a quarterback in the future. And see, that's one play. That's one. I'll, I'll disagree with you on a level here in that I really don't think with the amount of time I'm, we can, we can expect that Drew Locke's going to see this year, like maybe week 16, week 17, even if he comes out and falls flat on his face, I honestly don't think that's going to be enough. Basically, when they when they took him in the second round and then chose to wait until week 16 to play him, if that's indeed how it ends up shaking out, I'm sorry, but you invested a, a high second-round pick. I think, what was it they gave up to move up a third-rounder to move up that other third-rounder they got from trading back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you gave up a third-rounder and you invested a second-rounder in Drew Locke. I'm sorry, but you need to develop him use that first round pick next year, two games, even if he falls flat on his face, what I'm getting at Zach, it's not enough of a sample size to completely abandon him as the long-term potential quarterback of this team and go draft another guy. Otherwise you just wasted a second round pick completely based on two games. And I don't care what the quarterback is. I don't care who the quarterback is. That's just not enough of a sample size to completely abandon the plan. If ever there was a plan for Drew Locke, which at this stage, it's hard to see. It's hard to believe that there ever was. It's just ironic because every year we talk about the Broncos not wanting to have a quarterback competition anymore, and this year it was nice not to have one. But that's exactly what I think the Broncos need next year. Have them all out there. Have Brandon Allen. Have Drew Locke. Have Brett Rippon. Have another rookie quarterback. And whoever is the best man for that job starts next regular season. That's how I would go with it. So Christy was trying to say, are they trying to peddle the goods, meaning you know, put some good film of Brandon Allen on display now, so that they can shop him down the road, which, yeah, I mean, why not? Absolutely. The, the better he does, let's face it, he's not going to be Tom Brady, a six-round pick that goes on to be a six-time world champion. That's The odds tell us that ain't going to be the story for Brandon Allen. So, yeah, I mean, if they can get a couple of two, three, four wins out of him and he looks good and you know they can go into next offseason and sign him as a restricted free agent, which is what he's going to be, give him a tender, and turn around try and flip that, try and trade him, Absolutely. But at the same time, he might be your best solution for your long-term backup, especially someone who at that point will now have had some NFL starting experience. It's the perfect solution as the backup option with a young guy like Drew Locke poised to take over next year. And in best case scenario, Locke establishes himself as the future of the franchise and you still have Brandon Allen as a backup caliber starter, pinch starter type. Kind of like the deal they have in, in, with the Niners right now with Beathard and and, uh, and uh, Nick Mullins there. If they can get something for him next offseason, that'd be great. But it's not going to happen after one start. He's going to have to put together a string of solid performances to have any value on the trade market. All right, guys, we ran a little bit long here. This is the last one that we got to get out of here for tonight. And thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Matt says, why do you think Von Miller has been so quiet? Zach, why has Von Miller, in your opinion, been so quiet this year? I, I I took this question on yesterday's pod. I think a lot of it's the scheme has to do with Vaughn. He hasn't taken to it. A lot of it is losing Bradley Chubb, too. That's his bookend there. And, you know, every player is entitled to a down season. He's been so great for the Broncos for so many years, and he's carried this team. And he's still getting pressure, though, and pressure is production. He's still around the football. You just don't see those game-changing plays from Vaughn. And I happen to think a lot of it is due to Fangio's scheme. It just hasn't messed with him to this point. Well said. And also keep in mind, you guys, Father time remains undefeated. Not everyone yeah. can be, even eventually Tom Brady, all right? He's going to be defeated by father time. It's going to happen. It's a matter of course. And I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, Von Miller has fallen off a cliff due to age yet, okay? He's not that old. He's only in his ninth year. 
but he's played a lot of football and he's played a lot of football at a high level over the years. And eventually there's going to be some kind of a trail off. He's still making an impact, but as Zach said, this is just one of those weird seasons where he's just close, but no cigar more consistently than he is able to get home. And sometimes that's just how it shakes out for players, especially who are judged on one statistic, you know, a guy like Von Miller, he can be a beast against the run. He can be a beast at the edge. But really, what he's going to be weighed and, and graded and judged upon is, does he get the sacks? Are the sacks there? And this year, you know, what has he got? Four and a half, I think, or four? I mean, he's basically on pace to put up eight sacks or so this year, which is would be, of course, a career low, not counting even 2013, in which he appeared in not even half the season due to the uh, suspension and torn ACL. He's on pace for a about what he did in 2013, missing half the season. So I think a lot of it too, Zach, as you said, it's scheme. He claims that he likes Fangio's scheme. Fangio claims that Vaughn likes his scheme as well. I think that it's just very different than what he's been asked to do in the past. And, you know, you're seeing a little bit of a buffering period where Vaughn acclimates. And unfortunately, you know, it's costing in production in the sack totals. If he gets eight, ten sacks, though, it's not like it's a terrible thing. That's still pretty good for a starting caliber linebacker. And if, if that's a down season, if ten sacks is a down season, um, you could do a lot worse than that with Vaughn. All right, hell mary question. Then we're for sure out of here. Do you think uh, from Evan? Do you think how Talib has played out with injury and getting shipped to Miami has maybe had Chris Harris Jr. reevaluate how he values being in Denver? Basically, Zach, your answer. Um, I think he's seen the nature of the business, and I think he's smart enough to know it is a business first and foremost, and he, he's going to follow the dollar sign. I don't think he's loyal to Denver, and I think he knows that Denver's not loyal to him. I, he's just one of those guys who's very business savvy, and he's going to go where he's wanted and where he can get the most money. NFL players know that there are two – they basically have two opportunities, not counting the draft because the draft you have no control, and it's a crapshoot. Players know they have two opportunities – as, as pros to really capitalize and set up themselves and their families forever. And that's the first contract extension they receive. And if they're good enough to play through that first contract extension, the second. And here's Chris Harris coming up on that opportunity to really capitalize on his second and what would be his last big opportunity to cash in. And hes I don't think he's going to look away from that. He's signaled pretty loud and clear since the beginning of this season that money is probably going to be the most important factor for him come uh, spring of 2020. But you guys, that's got to do it for today. We ran way longer than we usually go here, but it's been fun. It's hard to jump off when you guys are making the conversation so fun and, and engaging and interesting, but thanks everybody for joining us. Thank you, especially too, to all of our super chat donations. You guys, you're keeping us alive here. Appreciate you guys, but make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman here on Twitter. As you can see at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen, Zach and I are going to be off tomorrow. There'll be a fresh episode of building the Broncos waiting for you though on Wednesday when you wake up and then on uh, Wednesday evening, Zach and I'll reconvene and uh, we'll probably do another live one since we don't have a behind enemy lines this week to get to Zach. Maybe we'll do another live simulcast both Wednesday and Thursday night yep. later on this week. So that's uh something to, to keep in mind and, and uh, look forward to Stephen Baumgartner coming in. I can't, for, you, I, I can't miss you. I missed you on the last one, bro. $10 donation. Appreciate you, Stephen. Thank you. But we got to get out of here, you guys. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you on Wednesday night about the same time. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. 
Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.